Don Bruins here with Raven Industries. I'm joined by Stefan and Chad. Today we're going to be talking ROS or the Raven operating system that that comes on our Viper 4, Viper 4 Plus uh, field computer. I don't know. Uh, Chad's Chad's looking for a big buildup to to his introduction here. So I, I guess that's about as good as I get, Chad. I'll, I'll welcome you guys here to the podcast. Let's get started today, all right? Thanks for having us, Don. And yeah, so as Don said, my name is Chad Bigler. Been on the podcast a few different times. I am a product manager here at Raven, more specifically in our fuel computers and slingshots onboard and offboard uh, programs here. So I've been at Raven a little over two years and here with Stefan Felstead. Stefan, you want to introduce yourself too? Sure. Uh, my name is Stefan Felstead. I am a program manager here at Raven. I've uh, been at Raven for 13 years and I am responsible for things, uh, all things field computers uh, along with uh, offboard, which would be our slingshot exit platforms. So, guys, I'm not an engineer, so we, we're talking on and off board. So let's uh, maybe explain that to you're bringing up a terminology that we that want uh, to want to hear hear the explanation of. Sure. So, um, Raven, we we've recently switched uh, with our autonomy strategy and things like that. We've recently switched from just calling them field computers uh, to calling them on board. Uh, and so basically, if it's running in the in the cab of the tractor, that's what we're going to be calling onboard. So inside that cab. Um, and then uh, when we talk about our offboard, that's going to be our cloud-based services. So everything that runs up in the cloud, so Slingshot, EggSync, uh, our APIs, all those types of offboard items. All right. Fleet, tra- fleet tracking as well. Fleet tracking there. as well. We'll get that yeah. plug out there. In to maybe add to it, so onboard traditionally has been more of a touch, more of a feel, more of an interaction, a manual interaction inside the cab. And that's where we have the term field computer. And today we want to obviously talk about our Viper 4, but we do actually have three field computers that are on the market today, our Viper 4 Plus, our CR12, and our CR7. All have uh, very specific uses. Our Viper 4, we're probably, um, geez, Stefan, how long has Viper 4 Plus been out? Three years now? At least, yeah, probably four years, actually. And then Viper 4 preceded that. Viper Pro preceded that. Well, we don't need to get into a history lesson, but obviously a field computer has been a pretty big staple within our, within our industry, within our cab, and really is just kind of the gateway for a person on the machine to actually touch, interact, have status updates, but also be able to adjust, manipulate as they're going through the field. So let's talk about the Viper 4 Plus, which is what Don wanted us to talk about today. Uh, we'll start with maybe just explaining a little bit about the Viper 4 for anybody that listening to the podcast has maybe never seen one or has had limited interaction with one or is even looking to upgrade from some of our existing legacy products to a Viper 4 Plus. So just mentioned Viper 4 Plus has been out for a few years. Every quarter we are launching new software for this. So today we'll jump into our latest software version what we call ROS, Raven Operating System, version 3.8. So obviously there's been a few iterations every quarter as we're launching new products. Um, and so we'll dive into some of those new ones, but maybe just a step back, the Viper 4 Plus, quick overview from a hardware standpoint, it's about a 12 inch uh, diagonal screen display, fully touch screen, capacity of about 30 gigabytes. So it, it's powerful enough to run about anything that you're wanting to do in the field. Um, some of the different things, and I'll 
I'll kick this over to Stefan. So obviously as you're running through the field and you're applying different product, you're not necessarily going to apply one single rate. So we have different things built into the field computer where you can adjust um, by section control, whether that's virtually or physically. Um, you can also apply different things such as a variable rate application. So maybe Stefan, let's let's pause. You want to maybe talk about uh, VRA options that are available in the field computer or section control that's in the computer or even task controller options that we have. Sure. So our uh, Viper 4 um, platform is available and works with uh, both our Raven Can system um, as well as a ISO-based system. So um, on both of those options, we have the availability for the user to be able to bump or nudge their rates so that they can increase or decrease their rates as they go to, through the field. Um, in addition to having an agronomist um, give you or a, a customer uploading a map that automatically switches the rate throughout the field based upon uh, numerous different factors, um, including... Uh, uh, including things like soil samples and things like that. Um, so it kind of gives them the capabilities of changing the rate uh, as needed for each individual field. Um, in addition to that, we can go from anywhere from one section, uh, which you might have on your, your typical spreader, uh, all the way out to like 120 sections, uh, potentially on your Hawkeye individual nozzle system. So as you get uh, as you get the sections right, as the sections uh, count goes up, and actually you get better accuracy. So that's the key with sections. So uh, your 120 sections, you're going to be able to turn off each individual nozzle. So you're talking, you know, a, a spacing of like maybe uh, eight, uh, maybe 10, 12 inches, um, all the way up to just one section at a, let's say 90 feet or so. So I'm going to add one little piece. Our sections with Hawkeye is actually at 105 is our current limitation today, not 120. Small little difference, but uh, to your point, the granularity of what you have, and especially when we start seeing customers that want to shut off individual nozzle, and I'll reference guys that are possibly running over top of cotton, where they might want a nozzle directly over top of the plant. And the next nozzle is in between the row, and they might go every other nozzle. Or you have a tram line. And you don't necessarily want to put product down on an area that doesn't have any any uh, plants or any vegetation. And you just want to put some something down not in those areas. So you can actually have that granularity. So something that's very powerful. And the way that we've thought about the Viper 4 Plus and the way that we built it is you have so much customization. You have so much flexibility for whatever instance you're in. We know all fields are not flat and square and straight <laughs> like they are in, in the Red River Valley or in Nebraska. And so we see a lot of corner cases. And that's what I think is probably the most powerful thing with the Viper 4 is it is focused more towards a work order or being able to have a job that's already pre-populated and sent down to the field computer to where those decisions are already made for you. You get in and it's a lot more, as Stefan was talking, you can pull in a map that's already determined by an agronomist. You also have a dispatcher that can put the particular rates down, uh, match that up, and have the machine prepped and ready. So it's as simple as hitting a go button and being able to sit inside the cab. Brought up task controller options, and uh, you know what, what does that mean to the to the, the group, uh, I, I know that points into ISO, which uh, maybe you guys want to explain the opportunities that a lot of times at Raven here, we think about our 
our uh, field computer being in the cab. You talked in the cab of the sprayer, but with ISO compatibility, we can be in the cab of anything uh, almost and interact with different things besides just the Raven components on that machine, correct? Yeah, so our ISO-based task controller allows us to communicate with uh, multitudes of different uh, equipment that you might happen to have hooked up. Uh, so we can communicate with um, multitudes of different ISO-based controllers for spreading, for spraying, um, or, uh, and, and so that doesn't limit us, uh, basically. We're able to um, work with those different ISO-based controllers. Um, so you can go into a cab of a tractor uh, and also do planting um, and use the use it for an ISO-based planter controller. Um, so the, that kind of opens the door for us uh, to be able to work with all those other uh, equipment manufacturers. Does that help answer the question, Don? Oh, I, I think Stefan covered that pretty well. Yeah, he did. I just... Uh... As you, 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 we talked earlier, that we've, we've got a wide audience, possibly, and uh, just making sure we're touching bases on uh, what some of the, the topics you bring up, uh, just pointing out to make sure we cover what those mean. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Don, you're, you have a little bit of understanding with the field computer. What's maybe your favorite feature or um, best feature that you hear a lot of our customers telling us is probably their their key aspect or one of the latest and greatest features that they've seen as provide the most efficiency or most benefit to the people in the cab? Uh, I, I don't know if you're setting me up or something here or not. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I'll, Let's see I'll if you get this right, there. Don. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I look at it, I've always liked and enjoyed about the, the, the Viper is that it's the, the, you talked about the customizability of it. It's so when you're in a, actually getting into that application job, it's, it's widget based. So I can put different widgets on the screen depending on what I'm doing. And uh, uh, so we can, and you can put them in different locations. Uh, if you like your screen, uh, landscape or else vertical you can uh, you know you can change it and you can put your your widgets in different spots and the widget would be where do I want to touch to change the rate or where do I want to touch to see the camera or if I want to see how many acres are left in the field I can uh, have that widget uh, on the screen and put it up in the corner up here because uh, I'm reaching up and grabbing the screen with my right hand uh, i can put that where i it's easy accessible for me so that's one of the things i like about the the viper for yeah so like what uh what you were saying don um we we do have a very customizable layout um we do focus a lot on the viper four uh, around egg retailers and around uh the operators and the operations with egg retailers uh, but that customizability really allows anybody to use it uh, all the way down you know individual growers even that's at the top of my list. There's, I think, some really cool features we've launched in the last uh, two years that I think really stand out above in the market. And one that really sticks out to me is JobSync. And that's our branded in-field in kind of sharing with multiple machines or even the ability that my machine breaks down, the weather comes, and I need to go replay a job or restart a job even with a different machine. And you have that opportunity, that flexibility to jump in and out and also being able to, yes, move. I, I'm going to use the word flexibility kind of over and over, but just uh, having that ability to kind of just move 
that to me has probably stood out. And then the other thing that gets to the top of my list is our connected workflow, allowing that communication more egg retailer focused, we'll admit. But yeah. where that is, is you're being able to dispatch and send an order down to the actual application machine and you're getting those real life notifications. So you're starting to pair with Slingshot, you're starting to pair with your offboard applications and you're kind of doing that, what we term as connected workflow. And to me, that visibility, that communication, um, not just to the local person on there, but being able to take a remote or a virtual look at that machine, pull it back to people in a management position or a fleet fleet operation position or even agronomist position can start looking at what's actually happening in the field real time. To me, that's probably the most exciting things, and that's as we start looking towards the future, the areas that we're going to start seeing a lot of advancement. Well, I think that's some of the things you're going to get into when we talk about the ROS, the, that's part of what you're getting to here, Chad, I think, and Stefan is the new release of some of these things, but that, that connectivity, well, that started back with our, the Viper Pro and, uh, and the ePro, and those are, that's, uh, you were asking me about the Viper 4, so I was like, well, this is something cool, but the connectivity has always been from the original, just remote support and sending a file has been uh, support-wise uh, amazing, and the things that you're going to talk about here like you talked about your your fleet analytics uh the the capabilities to move uh you know data back and forth from that machine i think as you explain them a little more here uh, as we go i think that's one of the things that are really going to start pushing pushing us over the edge with some of these uh you know these managers and people that are watching these fleets for efficiencies so i think that's a good segue let's maybe dive in right Yep. Do you have any music that you're queuing or anything, Don? You know, a nice new announcement or you don't well, really hey, get everybody we, excited? We, we gotta, maybe we'll try that. We'll see if we can come up with something uh, in the background. I, I'm not guaranteeing anything, so if you don't hear anything, I'll just make it quiet for a little while here. Well, suspense that way. And and the one thing, too, is is that if you're going to talk about connected workflow, the one of the big parts of connected workflow is the data. So yes. to be able to get that high quality data, knowing the exact ingredients, uh, not just product zero one, but the exact ingredients that are actually loaded in that machine that are actually applied, being able to pull that information out and put it into your agronomy tools so that next year you know what was in there, being able to provide it to the farmers for those operate, you know, those operations to be able to provide it for those farmers so that they know what happened in five, six, seven years from now. That data is a is a big portion of what that connected workflow gives us. I I didn't sell it well enough. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I got it. See, <laughs> I got your back. All right. Well, good. No, this is exciting. One of the most. I mean, to me, it's one of our premier products, and there's so much functionality with the Viper Four. We could talk about this for hours, right? <laughs> so we got to keep this a uh, little bit focused. And we're now, gonna, Chad. What's yeah. that? You better get to the point now. Let's jump in here and get, <laughs> get, get the details out. If you're doing the Raven Challenge, now's the time to turn around on your run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so version 3.8. That's our latest Ross version. We're launching that here in June. And there's uh, quite a few different things that we are launching with this. And I'm going to put a disclaimer out there. Um, we did not commercially launch version 3.7. There was a pretty large lift here with 3.8. So we did skip last quarter's uh, early spring, well, kind of late spring launch with 3.7. We rolled all that in. There was several versions of beta of 3.7 out, but commercially 
um, you will only see 3.8. So we are going from 3.6 to 3.8. 3.6 was launched. Uh, we'll call it winter time, give or take, depending on which version you uh, update to, whether it's 3.6.1 or 3.6.0. Um, but jumping to 3.8, there's really five items that I'm going to kind of list out here. Then we're going to dive in and unpack all five of those items. First one being an external boundary creation, i.e. that is driving around with the applicator, with the sprayer, being able to grab an external boundary creation from your as applied or from your coverage, I should say. It's maybe the best word to describe there. Number two is a brand new product that we are launching called Fleet Analytics. Under there is a couple different items such as um, working time, idle time, uh, machine telematics, pulling some fuel levels, def levels, specific items from the machine. Once again, that's called Fleet Analytics. You'll see some more communication coming out externally on that. We also added a new widget, Acre Countdown, that we'll talk about. That's been a high request here as well. And we also added uh, multi-line support for a company called AgroCAD. So I'm going to back up just a little bit so we can kind of dive into those. And maybe, Stefan, why don't you kick us off with the external boundary creation? Give us a little bit of insight on what exactly that entails, what the format is, and what a user would expect to see in the cab. Yeah, so um, our external boundary creation uh, kind of came out of the fact that uh, sometimes we forget um, about halfway around the field as we're doing our headlands passes uh, that we should have started our boundary. Um, and so what our external boundary creation allows us to do is uh, it's going to take those headland, that headland pass that you make. Um, it does need to be fully connected. So um, you'll have to make sure that you drive uh, and you, you basically cover the entire headland and connect that boundary. After that, you can hit the external boundary creation button. That's going to be just the same as you'd create any uh, any other boundary. Uh, just instead of instead of starting and stopping, there's a new selection in there so that says auto boundary creation. That's gonna give you basically the ability, it's gonna go around uh, your coverage. It's gonna create a boundary around the edge of that coverage uh, so that when you turn around, that tip is gonna stay off. And to be clear, Stefan, I think I heard you correctly, but I want to make sure, reiterate this. It must be a fully completed iteration from a boundary, such yeah. as a center pivot. If I was to skip something and draw something across there, I, I must still be able, still need to fully drive and connect in order to create my external boundary. That is right. So it's it's kind of like a connect the dots. If, if, the, if the green paint does not connect, uh, it'll just loop back around. Um, and so it does, have to, it does have to fully connect those dots. And then packing this up with a little bit more complexity, I have multiple machines in the field. Am I looking at uh, one machine must do my connection or can I have an addition of two machines that are on job sync doing my outer boundary? Yeah, so right now uh, it is only looking at your current coverage, so the coverage that you applied. It will not take into that into account that job sync coverage. Very good. Don, any questions on that? Is that clear? Oh, I, I think Stefan done a nice job. So, All right, let's uh, jump into the next one, which is probably the most exciting one for back connectivity conversation we were just talking about. Uh, we are calling a product called Fleet Analytics. And this is the high arching kind of term. We kicked off really about a little over a year ago, kicked off an initiative here at Raven that we call Proactive Service. And part of that initiative 
was really around providing more analytics, more telematics, more insight into what's happening in the cab, but not just from a remote support session of what I actually physically see, but tying that back to my application and when, where, what happened. Was it a systematic issue? Is everything going well? And really starting to get my documentation to dive into a further root cause when something happens. Because we know guys are putting on thousands upon thousands of acres. They're putting on hundreds of hours a year in a machine. And we know it's a busy time of year. Sometimes you need to look back and help from a maintenance standpoint. Sometimes as we go to develop new products, we like to have more insight. And it's just really also a better tool for an efficiency standpoint from a fleet manager, being able to understand how his machine is operating, how his operators are operating, or even how regions are operating against each other and how we can kind of flex and and float machines. So a lot of things bundled into that. And this is one of the products that we are able to commercialize and bring forth. And we call it fleet analytics. Now, as the first portion of fleet analytics, we're starting to get just basic information such as my operational time, my idle time, my transit time. And based off of what we can understand and what we can pull from the Viper 4, we're able to classify automatically a bunch of these zones and put it on there. So you would require 3.8 in order to have this type of information. Prior versions such as 3.6, we're only able to give you a portion of this information. But with 3.8, we really are allowing to unpack that and pull that around. Now, a couple nuances to it. We're using the Viper 4. So if you turn the Viper 4 off when you're routing, such as at night, one extra display in the cab, a little bit bright, maybe in the evening, you might turn it off. We're not able to record and get 100% accurate. But when we have the Viper 4 active on in the cab in the system, we're using that as kind of our overall telling path of helping us to define that efficiency. Now, the other thing I'll add into there is we are partnering with other devices on the system. So Viper 4 is not making your only decisions. Sensors such as, are my booms unfolded? Are they folded in? Is my spreader turned on? Is it off? Is my road switch on? If the RS1 is also in that system, that can, that also has a countdown timer to where it can stay powered on beyond cycle power of a key or if the Viper 4 is off. So we have multiple things on the system kind of helping us understand what's going on at what time where I can start understanding how efficient I am. Stefan, what else would you like to add to that? It's a mouthful there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, the real thought about it is is it's from boot up to power down. Uh, We're going to track exactly what's uh, basically what's happening as far as time into those categories from boot up to shutdown. So working time, uh, that's that doesn't have anything to do within the job, uh, you know, because you may be outside of a job uh, trying to do a clean out, uh, things like that. that. That's considered working time. And so it's basically if a section is on, we're going to consider it working time. Uh, if a section isn't on, then we'll go ahead and check the next and we'll say, all right, are you moving? If you aren't moving, that's idle time. Uh, like you said, transit time, we can uh, we try to use a few different things to determine whether it's some road time or field transit time. Um, And so we categorize all those from boot up to shutdown. Um, The one other thing that that I want to note is that that is with 3.8. However, you can still, you know, you have a lot of data out there that's uh, currently available. And so 
with all your old jobs, uh, we actually can gain some of this information, this working time and idle time. Um, in particular, out of your old jobs, out of your, you know, sort of from your old information. And so for everything that's previous to 3.8, uh, we will use that, um, we will use those jobs that are uploaded in Slingshot, and we'll be able to give you a good idea of from job start to job stop, what was happening during that time, as far as working in idle anyway. All right. Well, guys, I, I'm sure you have more, but I'm just throwing this out there. I'm sure that our sales team would love to be out and, and, and demo and talk to you guys about this. But um, at ravenprecision.com, I mean, you can go there, look at Slingshot, and you can go to Fleet Analytics to get some just some details, maybe some screenshots of what, what's on the, the what they could see, what it kind of looks like. Uh, just a little plug in there if you're going well, I want to see what that looks like. Uh, maybe that'll help uh, help you out there too. So, yeah, there is some great resources that we are starting to promote and push out there. And you will notice that there is some examples. There's some snapshots. If you are interested, we do have uh, different versions of 3.8 that you can certainly download. It does start with 3.8 going forward. Uh, some of the jobs that Stefan was just talking to, you can pull in and get some different. Uh, hands-on experience. The other thing that I think is really nice is we're providing you with a lot of raw data and we're categorizing it to make it so where it's easy to parse, but we're not making a decision for your organization. We're allowing you to take that information for the next level to keep diving in on how you need to make uh, decisions at your levels. And we're certainly still open to feedback. It's definitely uh, not baked that that's exactly how everything needs to be. We also do have the option to where you can download it via CSV and make your own dashboards as well. So that's good. So there's one other element to fleet analytics that we want to dive into, and that's uh, machine telematics. And this does actually require a little bit more hardware into the cab. It requires us to get more information off of an additional CAN bus. And some of the items that we're looking for is more of the machine-specific type of information. So under the fleet analytics bridge, underneath that portion, there is a separate page in Slingshot that does allow you to see what we call a machine view basic, allowing you to see where the physical machine is, where it's driven, when when it's driven, has it been applying or not applying, so taking a little bit more decision analysis to it, but starting to grab more things off the CAN bus. And I'll ask Stefan to kind of tell us a little bit about the, the items that we are able to report, but the biggest thing that I see is more information, pulling it together, is it's one landing page that our fleet managers, our operators can go and actually see not only what's happening at the machine, but what's happening on the application piece of equipment as well. So kind of combining that, we've really worked hand in hand with a lot of our partner OEMs to start grabbing that information and sharing it, uh, not just locally on the Viper 4, but remotely back into Slingshot. But we're using the field computer as our conduit to help us pull that over. So Stefan, why don't you tell us what other items we're able to see on the additional CAN bus that we term as part of our machine telematics? Yeah, um, so engine RPM is, uh, is one of the items that we uh, show as part of our machine view basic. Um, and so we're pulling that, we're pulling your fuel level, the def level, um, and we're displaying those promptly and proudly up front so that you can keep an eye on where those levels are at. Um, we do pull uh, other information, uh, such as fuel rate, and we do will use that in our analytics page uh, for being able to figure out um, items like if a person was running faster, those types of things, uh, they use more fuel or 
um, those analytic type options. Um, so those are the those are the main things that uh, that the user will see um, right up front and uh, prominent, including engine hours. Um, so we do capture a few other information pieces of information uh, that we don't display right now, but we have potential to display in the future. So. Um, and that would be like your oil pressure, your temperatures, those types of things. Um, the one thing that uh, that I would note uh, is that we are uh, we are in a unique position. Uh, we have the availability to work with multiple colors. So we are working with our OEM partners to actually have them give us uh, the exact information, how to read it, and each one of those machines is different. So that's why. Um, we are picking certain machines that we're working with, and our partners have have provided information for those uh, to allow us to gain that information. That's what's key. There's there's a collaboration that we're working with our partners. We're not sniffing something and providing um, a different data set or something that could be uh, not quite accurate, I guess is maybe the best way I was trying to state it. We're reading the exact same information that the OEM is providing to the user that would be physically sitting in the cab. We're, we're just mirroring that, but with permissions as well. We have agreements set up with our OEMs to make sure that how we're displaying it meets uh, their expectations and meets the end customer's expectations. So very good joint collaboration. And because of that, we're also able to automatically detect the right messages. So if you put it into whatever color machine, I'm not going to list off a few colors, but whatever color machine you have or machines, uh, you can certainly put it in there and we'll be able to automatically detect and uh, report the correct information. So that's really handy rather than having to go in one more page and reconfigure everything. Uh, sometimes you have to do that with a few things because uh, we aren't necessarily always paired with some of those machines, but that in this instance works really well in everyone's favor. Yep, and there will be a few instances even with the OEMs that we work with where the information wasn't available for an older model year or something like that. And they will have to go in and configure it uh, in the Viper 4 to make sure that it's connected up correctly. Um, but for the most part, all the new machines, uh, you're exactly right. You just, just a plug and play. And to receive some of that additional information, I just want to throw this out there. There is a cable, additional cable, uh, at least from the aftermarket standpoint. With some of our partner OEMs in the upcoming model year machines, that cable will already be included and not be an additional charge. But anything in the field today in order to receive the additional machine telematics. The fleet analytics still comes along. All that is still run through the field computer, but there is a slight cabling update. Very simple one. There's a generic one for most machines. A few machines are very, very simple, <laughs> and it is a very quick plug-and-play. So that's very nice. The other thing, and, let's keep... Oh, go ahead. And I should note uh, that aside from actual machine values, uh, we also are now providing the tank levels. So the very same tank levels yes. that you'll see on your on your Viper 4 screen are going to be uh, capable to be seen on the Slingshot um, website. All right, let's plug through a couple of these before Don kicks us off this podcast because we're oh, no. getting long-winded. I, this is all, all good stuff. Uh, you might have some <laughs> operators going. I don't know if I want you to be watching me that close, but the managers <laughs> ought to be real happy about how they can do a better job of managing that that fleet out there. We've put the data out there for people to use as they see fit. <laughs> We're not telling them or controlling or sending a lot of pop-ups and notifications. Um, you can certainly set 
limitations, but uh, yeah, it, it's exciting because people are asking for this. And just like anything, you can use it in good faith and you can use it for the wrong reasons. Um, but we are definitely seeing a ton of positives and the people that have beta tested it this spring have really given us a lot of positive feedback. So we're going to continue building on this as well. This is, in my essence, kind of the start. We're going to continue innovating and this is, this is really good. The other thing uh, let's jump to for 3.8 is the Acre Countdown widget. So, uh, Stefan, you and I sit at a lot of Top Gun events. We get a lot of feedback from a lot of operators. I think over this last winter of all of our Top Gun events, Gary probably has that tally over there. I think this was the number one requested item. What is it? Yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, Acre Countdown widget, uh, this is a very simplified widget. Uh, so, it it will take your... It will take your um, amount of acres from your boundary it will find the largest amount of acres from all of your products that you've applied and it will simply do the math to figure out what's left uh so it's a very simplified widget at this time um you know we've talked to a lot of operators um and just the simplified uh math is you know just removing the math is helping them um we do know that there's a lot of other things we out there for this uh, and we probably will continue to make this better and make it. Uh, but at this point, uh, it it's going to provide a large value. Very simple little communication and just understanding of what's actually happening on the machine. And a lot of times we're hearing guys saying, I kind of approximately know what my overlap is, but I need to verify that what I have in my tank is going to meet my expectations. Or did the customer call in and say, I only have 140 acres and I get out there and it was 155 and I don't have enough product. As, I, as I'm going through the field, I can proactively call back and receive more product to that area versus running out and being 10 acres short or feathering out the last 15 acres just be, or even 30 acres in order to get to that and applying the wrong rate and just because um, it was either a mistake or somebody was trying to short it or they added something else onto it. So a lot of benefits just getting that communication to allow somebody to just do the simple math. And you explained it, it's X minus Y equals simple equation. Um, and we'll, we'll see some of the feedback as we roll that out for this fall. Uh, like I said, Chad, the simple widgets, that's what I uh, gotta love those, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of feedback on that. That was good. I, and we always appreciate people bringing forth different ideas for widgets. Some of these we can plug out really simple. Some take a lot more effort, but that's definitely something that I think Raven really values is getting feedback from our customers on these uh, just small little wins that we can utilize to make their job that much more efficient. All right. Last but not least, the other addition is with Multiline in a company called AgroCAD. Stefan, you want to take us through the home stretch? Yeah, so um, we received some requests from a company uh, called AgroCAD uh, down in Brazil, and basically they they allow for setting up of multiple different lines in the field. Uh, so they are able to pass us a shape file uh, full of different guidance lines that they want us to drive. And so what we, on the Viper 4, you're able to load that up um, as a guidance line and you're able to then drive all the lines that are in that shape file. So notice I did say it is a shape file. Uh, we do use generic shape file format. Um, 
And it's not a special binary file or anything like that. It's just a generic shapefile. So that means that we can uh, work with the AgroCAD, that, um, but as well as uh, other partners that happen to um, provide out those shapefile, uh, those shapefiles to us in the line format. And AgroCAD, just I, I know we're using that as the example. That was kind of the big push and use case. Very heavily utilized in sugarcane markets down in Brazil. And for our listeners, anybody in Brazil, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we we have definitely learned, I'll, I'll say from my seat, for, as Americans, learned a lot more about sugarcane over the last year. And that's where even Don, talking around flexibility, uh, we've seen how our products can flex no matter what the type of uh, crop conditions, uh, spacings. And this is just one more attribute that we're able to adopt to a lot of our partners. All right. Well, Chad, did you have any uh, sneak peeks or anything else that you wanted to cover today? You said that was your last thing with the the release here that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, I think we could maybe leave with a little teaser today. So as we mentioned, every quarter we do have releases coming out for Ross or Viper 4 software, similar with our CR12 and CR7 uh, platforms. So be watching for all of those, but something to leave you guys with. And Stefan was talking about this earlier in regards to our external boundary creation. But one of the teasers we're going to have in our, in our future version is actually being able to not only do external, but some internal boundary creation as well. It's a term that we're using as auto application zones. I don't want to get too heavy into it, but it's definitely something that uh, we've heard the request when somebody goes and puts their first application out. If it's really wet in an interior boundary, um, they obviously can't drive through it. But when they come to put on a second or a third application of product, they might be able to drive through that area, but they want uh, product to stop applying at that point. Virtually being able to automatically uh, spray where, where crop is or where the intended use of was for that product. So, uh, so a few things that we're look, working on that will be out there with the field computer. We are looking to start testing that, I think, Stefan, next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, we're, we are going to be internally testing that in the next few weeks. We'll be running through some coverages. Uh, and so we'll be using uh, some of our partners on our Slingshot platform uh, to start uh, evaluating multiple different fields. So that's one of those things uh, that everybody has a different field. Everybody applies it differently. And so we, uh, we have a large, heavy test set that we're going to need to be uh, running through. Um, but so far, uh, results are looking pretty positive. So if you can just imagine what you did before and where you applied before, and now you um, basically are able to spray there and only there that's exactly what it's going to be right well that sounds uh interesting so it's good to hear well everybody always likes a little bit of teasers they get to get going especially uh here this summer so all right we'll leave you with just that one don all right all right <laughs> well guys is there anything else uh, we have for today or um no I think that really covers it. I mean, we're really excited about the launch of 3.8 here. We're expecting that to be launched in the in the month of June. So you're probably listening to this podcast. You can go online and and download that. You will also see 3.8 available through the different OEM partners as well. Anyone that has their OEM partner branded Viper 4, 
Uh, you'll also see that launched, and that will be TBD based off of the OEM schedule. We don't necessarily uh, control all of that, but aftermarket-wise, you'll be able to log on and see that from ravenprecision.com. All right. Okay, well, great. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Stefan. Appreciate uh, having you guys on today. Always appreciate it. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don.